Welcome to the Young IPA Podcast. I'm James. This is Pete. G'day, everyone. It, there, there he is. That's, that's so much better than the one we just did. All right, it is May the 1st. Uh, happy May Day to all our communist listeners out there. And yeah. uh, episode 158, I guess. I forget. Someone just told me what it was and then I forgot it already. It was 158. 158. I think that's what's uh, canon. Uh, canon? This is all over the shop. <laughs> Anyway, uh, today's show, we've got Mia Schlicht and uh, Boston Edwards, the campus coordinator from the University of Wollongong. We're going to be doing a quiz. We're going to be drafting romantic comedies off the uh, success of the last couple drafts, which people really seem to be enjoying. So yeah, romantic comedies is a very good draft. Pete with another very contentious fourth pick. I'm a real genre buster. I reckon Pete is uh, going to cop it online for what he came up with for pick number four because it was uh, controversial. So before we get into the rest of the show, we've got a whole lot to discuss. We've got the IPA poll. We've got the deputy CHO officer in Victoria, a whole bunch of other stuff. I like doing my good news roundup at the start of a Friday show just to get everyone, you know, feeling good. It is a Friday. There's a lot of sad people out there. Bit of good news roundup if that's cool with you, Pete. Yeah, do it, mate. I didn't know this was coming, but I'm, I'm happy to hear it. Uh, it'll be quick dot point. I mean, we're getting into the Northern Territory soon. I also want to shout out South Australia, Queensland and New South Wales also loosening restrictions and announcing future loosening of restrictions. That's some good news. And uh, fresh off the press this morning, the NBA might be bringing back its season, finishing it at Disney World, which is an electric venue. Disney why, World. Why are they doing that? Oh, it's because it's got to be clo- behind closed doors. Yeah, I think it's like the AFL and NRL's hub ideas, but it's also Disney World, just to give it that extra little bit of pizzazz. Well, it is great news, James. I'm glad yep. that that's happy and you know, that make, making you happy and yeah, bring it on. Yeah, good news everywhere. All right, so Pete, let's talk this IPA poll because this uh, was some pretty big news this week. Well, speaking of good news, 74% of Australians have believed that politicians and senior public servants on salaries over 150k per year should have their pay reduced by 20%. 74% agreed, 10% disagreed, 16% neither agreed nor disagreed. So only 10%, James, of people disagreed which you could assume would be people who are public servants themselves. It's not about punishing people that are public servants. It's about making sure that those people have skin in the game like everyone else. And look, I think this is a great idea. I don't see why they don't do it. Jacinda Ardern did it in New Zealand for the purposes of solidarity. Uh, I, you know, I understand everyone you know, needs money, but the, for, politically, surely it would be a win for the Morrison government to announce they were going to do this. Maybe they can't do it. Uh, and it just seems fair. You know, we... As, as Dan said, uh, public servants already get paid 20% more than the private sector on average and have better super requirements. And it would only be directed towards people earning over 150K already. Uh, it seems like a no-brainer to me, James. Yeah, I, I think it's an absolute layup of a policy. Uh, I also noticed like when Scott Morrison talks about it, he always goes, we don't want to punish people on the front lines. I don't know if that's the people we're talking about when we talk about no. people earning over 150,000. I'm not saying, you know, the, red, like, the nurse at the Cabrini hospital that's dealing with patients, they need to pay cut. No, definitely not what we're saying, but someone in Canberra on, you know, 500 K a year who doesn't need to, doesn't need to suffer like people in the private industries are. They're the people that probably can't take the 20% pay cut just so we all have skin in the game. Exactly right. It's not uh scummo's fooling no one with that. We're talking about, you know, the head of a department that's not operating because everyone's in lockdown. So uh, yeah, no, and it's 74% of Australians agree with that. So, you know, three quarters. Yeah, good to know that the IPA speaks for the Australian people, as we always do. All right, uh, so this is the big story in Australia today. We should be talking about it. So Victoria's Deputy Chief Health Officer, Annalise Van Diemen, 
uh, tweeted out this. So this week, as we talk about later in the quiz, was the 250th anniversary of James Cook landing on Botany Bay. So Dr. Annalise Van Diemen took some time out from her very busy job dealing with an international pandemic to tweet, sudden arrival of an invader from another land, decimating populations, creating terror, forces a population to make enormous sacrifices and completely change how they live in order to survive. COVID-19 or Cook 1770? Can we get a Q&A clap moment if that's not too hard? That's a Q&A clap right there. Uh, for long-time listeners, uh, for people that are new to the show, um, Q&A clap. That's just when some knee-jerk lefty statement that doesn't mean anything gets said on Q&A and they all applaud. We just want to make sure that Dr. Annalise Van Diemen gets that Q&A clap that she deserves. Uh, Pete, your thoughts? Well, there's a couple of things to come at this from. Firstly, as you pointed out, and I don't want to steal your take here, but that did not do the thing that she thought it did because the death to Indigenous, deaths to Indigenous people through pandemics when you know, European settlers arrived were vastly, vastly worse than the 100 people that have so far died of coronavirus. So she's not even sort of uh, capturing the extent of Indigenous suffering, which is, of course, what she's trying to do. But the main thing which strikes me about this is how many people are there in government, local governments who talk about Australia Day, this lady who's talking about, you know, uh, this thing, right? If you think that Australian nationhood is solely defined by genocide and invasion. How is it that you collect a paycheck from the invader every fortnight? Like if you if you really think that this is what this country is all about, I don't understand how you can like specifically work for the government. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm completely with you. Uh the, the debate now turns to whether or not she should be fired. Now, I don't know how good she is at her job as a chief uh, sorry, Deputy Chief Medical Officer. So, like, maybe she's just the best in the world and it'd be a bit rash to fire her. But there's this whole thing now of, like, whenever she says any... Whenever there's, like, health advice from the Victorian government that says we need to extend lockdowns and people's liberties need to be curtailed, there's now that little voice in the back of your head that goes, is this objective health advice or is this a product of someone's political leanings? Because Gideon Rosner, who, you know, a colleague of ours, people who listen to the show know him well, went through her Twitter and found that she liked a tweet saying, God, I hate libertarians. So, what was that? Sorry, I missed that. Uh, God, I hate libertarians. Oh, yeah. So you go. So people like wanting to go to the beach or wanting to be able to drive around without a purpose. Do we get the same look in from someone that objectively goes, "People's freedoms do need to be curtailed. Libertarian does su- libertarianism does suck." Yeah, exactly right. It's um, it's the the thing is like so. There's obviously people like her. Like, people have all sorts of political opinions, right? And obviously, there's going to be people that have those political views in the bureaucracy, no matter how you set it up. The problem is that, like, 95% of the bureaucracy have those views. And, um, you know, I don't understand. We we sort of talk about this a lot. It's not that there's one person that thinks those things. It's that there's heaps of people that think those things. And I reckon, and it was mentioned in the IPA Slack yesterday, that the coalition and and centre-right governments more generally have to do better at stacking the bureaucracy with freedom lovers. Now, they sort of say freedom lovers don't like working in the bureaucracy, and that's that's true, but it couldn't be that hard. I, I take, legitimately, you know, I, I don't care if the Deputy Chief Health Officer is a raging communist as long as it doesn't guide her health uh, opinions, which I now don't have as much trust as I did four days ago. But it almost anyone. certainly does. It almost yeah, certainly but, does guide what she does. Yeah. And there's, because the whole, there's like, so many oh, of them. Sorry, you go. No, well, it's, like, it's the same thing you talk like. Same sort of discussion when you talk about stacking universities. It's just, wait, uh, aren't we just trying to figure out who's the best at their job? We're not trying to go, okay, who wears the blue colour and who wears the red colour and can we get more people in the blue colour in the department? That's true. I take your point. We do want the person, the best person who does the job, but you know, frequently, 
how you evaluate who the best person for the job is depends on your own worldview and like experts disagree based on their worldview. Yeah. And the fact is, you know, as much as we'd love to reduce the size of the bureaucracy and we should also do that as well, uh, the fact is that the bureaucracy is a really powerful force in our society and a very large percentage of them have political views like this. So I think it's a twofold process where we should be reducing the size of it and we should be trying to find more freedom lovers. And if more freedom lovers knew that they earn 20% more than the private sector, maybe they'd be more interested. But um, yeah, no, I do tell you, it should still be the best person, but that is, you know, the best person sort of exists in a vacuum and frequently there's like, you think this person's the best person if you have this worldview, etc. That was the most intellectual this show has ever been. <laughs> like, I feel was, dirty. That was amazing. Like, are we looking forward now? Anyway, uh, the other part of it is, uh, if you're the de- deputy chief health officer and for the last two days the entire nation has been debating whether or not you're a communist and deserve to be fired, then you're not exactly doing your job as deputy chief health officer. Like, no one's focusing on the pandemic. There's been meetings you've been called into, your boss has been called into, other health professionals have been called into meetings dealing with your tweet and not an international pandemic. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, like, if what's what's her focus on? If this is the thing, kind of thing she's focus, she's tweeting about... Yeah. What is her focus on? But the other thing is, like, I don't think she should get the sack for the tweet because, you know, I'm sick of sacking people for tweets, but I think that she should get the sack for supporting draconian, overtly draconian lockdown laws that we don't need. Like, that's more, that's the bigger issue here. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Yeah, so, good point. Because, like, I I railed off the list of states that have, and territories that have uh, been loosening restrictions. And Victoria is still dragging the feet on everything. If Victoria, if it turns out that Victoria is what's holding us back from having NRL and AFL seasons, there will be civil unrest, I reckon. Because exactly like, right, there's going to be one state people are pointing at. Uh, yeah, and then uh, I think we'll move on now to the Twiggy Forest one. All right, let me scroll down. Twiggy, Mr. Forest, Mr. Twiggy Forest, the Fortescue Chairman. Now you probably would have seen this during the week, but he surprised the Health Minister Greg Hunt by inviting China's Consul General uh, for Victoria, Zhu Long, to speak alongside him on Wednesday at a press conference, which was about Twiggy Forest having secured 10 million coronavirus tests from Australia, which is a, uh, from China, which is a 20-fold increase in Australia's testing capacity, which, of course, he deserves a huge congratulations for. Now, Twiggy Forest, to me, resembled a bit of an interfering mum when you're 11 years old and you had a fight with your best friend and she's, like, making you shake hands and say you two have to get along, you know, you're good friends. And it, and it didn't come off very well. Uh, what happened was, so so Greg Hunt didn't know that this guy was going to be at the press conference. This guy, the Consul General for China, said that China had worked in an open, transparent and responsible manner with the World Health Organization. Now, so clearly from Twiggy Forrest's point of view, he thinks Australia should not damage their relationship with China by calling for an inquiry into the WHO. That view is being echoed by a number of people in the corporate sector. It's a fair point, but... You've literally given a platform to an evil regime to lie about a global pandemic that has put 4 billion people into house arrest. That's what you've done, Twiggy Forrest, on your Wednesday. So I get that you're trying to make sure we don't lose the Chinese market, but that is what you achieved. And I, do, I think ScoMo and the politicians also don't want to lose the Chinese market. Here's a, here's a little view for you. We're not going to lose the Chinese market. So anyway. I don't know, man. Did you see what the ambassador was saying earlier this week? Because this is like a huge thing. Hit me with it. What are these Sorry, 
So earlier when Australia led the calls for there to be an international inquiry and an uh, independent inquiry into where coronavirus started, the ambassador came out and said, well, you know, Chinese buyers might think differently about, about buying Australian goods and Chinese students might think differently about coming to Australia to study, which is, you know, pretty like big, yeah, I'd hate to see what would happen. You know, you well, know, could it happen to a greater bloke, but I'd hate to see what would happen. I'm no expert in international relations, James, but I just think that bluff and bluster happens a fair bit. I don't know, but like when the ambassador says that, and then that sets off a huge thing, and then you invite the Victorian Consular General to the press conference and you surprise Greg Hunt. So now in the middle of Australia versus China over whether or not this inquiry should go ahead and whether or not Australia's ducked its head over the parapet a bit too early, you've got the health minister standing next to a guy, uh, sorry, the the Consul General from Victoria just going, how good's China handling this virus? Very damaging for there to be a minister standing next to him just politely while that happens amid all this other stuff that's going on. I think you're being a bit fair on Twiggy. I think this is a gigantic blunder. Gigantic blunder? So what? So you're saying I didn't go hard enough? No, I think you're being very, too fair to Twiggy going like, oh, you know, he's had his good intentions at heart. No, this was an absolute stinker of a thing from start to finish. Okay, I, I sort of just more think it's like embarrassing and Twiggy has to sort of live with the fact that he gave this bloke a platform. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't think, long, I think like long term, not a huge amount's going to change between Australia and China's relationship. Well, fingers but crossed, but yeah, some pretty uh, concerning salvos been fired. And then the last part is, uh, so the 10 million COVID-19 testing kits, I mean, you know, it's, it's a good thing assuming they work because a few countries have had to send back to China some of these testing kits because they didn't work and the masks were faulty and stuff. So assuming they work, it's good that we have them. But it's not like Twiggy Forest went out and bought them. It was paid for by the Australian taxpayers. So we can also like stand back a bit from how good is Twiggy Forest for getting these testing kits. <laughs> how good Twiggy... Yeah, 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 exactly. That's the other point. So, I mean, he, he sourced them. And I don't know how this works. I don't know why the Australian government couldn't source them in the first place. You know, presumably it's from his contacts or whatever and he did put up the cash which was a fair yep. bit of cash uh first up but yeah no you're right it was taxpayers that were paying for it um by the way the- before we get into likes and dislikes oh sorry unless you have another point did you see that video of how they do the COVID 19 test i my i've not seen it but my housemates described it to me and it's gross. it is gross <laughs> <laughs> it is disgusting <laughs> Twiggy needs to so for those that don't know, it's putting like it's putting a thing right down your throat or right up your nose, isn't it? For those it, right down know. the nose, like it's like you could both test for COVID nineteen and perform an ancient Egyptian mummy burial ceremony at the same time. Like that's the kind of thing that's happening at this uh, when you get tested. If Twiggy Forrest wants to really help, he should pay for a test that's better than that. <laughs> there that's we what go. Falls in but, your court now, Twiggy. Yeah, exactly right. But the whole thing, the final thing about this is that it's all over this inquiry. As if we're not going to have an inquiry. We have an inquiry about everything these days. Yeah, but it's like an international inquiry. It's involving the US and China. It's not like a royal inquiry into uh, the bushfires or child sex scandals or something like that. It's a royal inquiry into a foreign government that did or may may not have doomed the world to coronavirus. I think there's going to be a bit more dragging of the heels from the defence. I, there will be, but the thing is, our political culture always calls for inquiries. The Australian political yeah. culture. So oh, why that's would that be mean, different? Right, yeah. Why would that be different now? And it's all this thing about oh, we can't have it before November because that'll help Trump's election campaign. And it's like who cares about Trump's election campaign? Like, why can't we find out how a global pandemic started? Like, yeah. do you think China's not going to use it for political ends? Anyway, what are we up to? Likes and dislikes. Yeah, okay. So instead of doing the heroes and villains, we debuted the likes dislikes last week. Just things we like, things we dislike. Pete, uh, I reckon you can start off. 
Yeah, I'll start off. So I'm sort of repeating a like and a hero that I've done a little bit over the last two weeks, but I think... Is it drinking? Maybe nudity. Deserve. I'm just it's trying got, to figure out. It's not got any nudity, but it is related to drinking a little bit. Now, from noon on Friday, people in the Northern Territory will be able to use public swimming pools, water parks, go fishing with friends and play golf. From midday on May 15, Territorians can head to the gym, borrow a book from a public library, get their nails done or dine at a restaurant. Uh, and on June 5, the government will lift its two-time limit and ease its restrictions Sorry, two-hour time limit and ease its restrictions on indoor activities, which means people can get a tattoo, visit a nightclub, not at the same time, and play team sports such as basketball and soccer. Uh, So I love the Northern Territory because they are lifting their restrictions quicker than any other place. But they are also, they have also, my man, Mr. Gunner in the Northern Territory continues to win with his press conferences because he said... um, Who is Mr. Gunner, Pete? What's that, sorry? Who is Mr. Gunner for the people who are uninitiated? Sorry about that. Chief Minister of the of the NT, Mr. Gunner. He said that the, so you're allowed to, the pubs will open on May 15, but you're only, they're only allowed to serve alcohol with a meal. But then from June 5, they'll be able to, you'll be able to go to the pub and just drink. And he said, May 15, date night, June 5, Sunday sesh. Was how have he you explained seen, that policy to the Territorians. Have you seen the rumours that June 5 in the Northern Territory might be a public holiday? I had yes, I have seen the rumours, and I think it should be. I think it should it's, be. I it should be an international holiday. That should be something we all celebrate around the world. The fact that Northern Territory, they're yeah. back. Yeah, and they're having a sesh. <laughs> we got to get this bloke on the show. He's fantastic. I don't know all what right. his policies are though. We should do some research into his policies. Uh, he's definitely Labour. Sorry, uh, but yeah, look, I, I like his pro-drinking policy. All right, I don't do blue team. I don't do red team, but I do do where you stand. Yeah, you just play it. You play every ball on its merits. Exactly. All right, my like this week. Uh, I can't believe I haven't done this guy as a hero because, you know, I've been watching Sky News 24-7 as uh, the coronavirus goes, and whenever this guy pops up on TV, I get a big old smile. Captain Tom Moore, British war veteran, decided to walk 100 laps of his garden to raise money for the UK's National Health Service. Now, 100 laps of your garden probably doesn't sound like a huge thing. Let me chuck this at you. He's 99 years old. Uh, so... Really cool to watch this guy just walking around his garden. He's got this like British uh, army salu- uh, soldiers around saluting him as he does it. He raised uh, yeah uh, about 29 million pounds, about 55 million dollars Australian for the NHS so far. He just turned 100, and the British people got around him. He's had 125,000 birthday cards. So I don't know. This is a cool story. I just like the fact in this time we still got the time given to a 99-year-old guy trying trying his best to raise the NHS. Uh, and then I like people getting up, giving $55 million to it, and I like 125,000 birthday cards. This is good vibes all around. Fantastic. And this guy was also, he was he, did he fly over Burma during World War II or did he uh, fight in Burma? Certainly not in the article uh, I read, so I'm going to defer to you on this one. But I did see the Queen has now upgraded him to Colonel from Captain. So there even the Queen... Go. Well, especially the Queen getting around. Good old Tom Moore. So that is my like this week. No, that's a good one, mate. That's a good one. Uh, and he also, I think they recorded a version of You'll Never Walk Alone in honour of him, which went to number one on the UK charts. So he's oh, pretty... Is, is he a Liverpool productive? fan? I don't think so. I just think, oh, right. you because know, he was walking. Oh, because he's walking. Yeah, he's yeah. never walking alone. I get it now. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, dislikes. You first or me first? I'll go first, mate. Done. Just scrolling up. Do you okay, need me to so, do it? <laughs> <laughs> this is probably not that much in the spirit of uh, likes and dislikes, which is meant to be a bit more fun. But it, my mine is serious, and, so don't worry about it. 
Okay, that's good. My my dislike is the hypocrisy of the Believe or Women Brigade in regards to Joe Biden. Now, Joe Biden obviously deserves due process and his accusers deserve to be respected and listened to. It's not about that at all. It's about the hypocrisy of various media figures and various people in the, in uh, public life, I guess, who, you know, when, when issues such as these... Uh, uh, issues such as these apply to conservative Republican figures go absolutely bunter. We have to believe all women, blah, 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 blah. Uh, when they apply to a guy they like, they are so much more circumspect. And I think these issues are too serious uh, and too important. And we need to think about them seriously to be playing politics with them. And I'll give you a couple of examples. So Michelle Goldberg, Michelle Goldberg at the New York, New York Times is a good example. Douglas Murray pointed her out as a good example uh, during the week in the specy. He said, well, she described the accuser as credible uh, with regards to Kavanaugh, of course, Justice Kavanaugh, um, summoned up the vision of the handmaid's tale and concluded that Kavanaugh and the entire ruling class, cl- class in America were pigs all the way down. Now, he goes on to say, um, talk about how she wrote about Joe Biden's accusers, and she said, what to do with Tara Reid's allegations against Joe Biden? She bravely wondered aloud before answering her own question by claiming that the allegation was being used to troll the Me Too movement so that's one example uh obviously it's a, yeah as i said it's a really serious issue we shouldn't be playing politics with it and if you're using this uh as a political thing you sh- you are part of my dislike for this week uh yeah i'm with you shout out to rose mcgowan who is uh not moving anywhere off her uh you know you talk about someone that goes believe all women no matter what rose mcgowan is absolutely uh sticking to her mask on that one sorry i'm just trying to stall as I find my favorite example of this and my laptop predates Western civilization. So it's taken a while. Here we go. Uh, This was a headline from the Washington Post. Developments in allegations against Biden amplify efforts to question his behavior. That's right. That was Now that is some Cirque du Soleil uh, contortioning around just trying, just coming right out and saying it. Can you go? Developments in allegations. It's a Cirque du Soleil level contortioning around the thing. Sorry. Developments in allegations against Biden amplify efforts to question his behavior. Not a lot of who, what, when, where, why, which is like such a staple of journalism. That is that is real sort of like, you know, IT manual kind of stuff there. That's, yeah. Well, that's a good example. All right. My villain this week. This was uh, one of the great hate reads. So The Atlantic, I still kind of defend. I don't mind it as a publication. I know they've, uh, you know, they did Kevin D. Williams and Dirty a year or two ago. and But as far as like left wing papers go, they're a pretty good one to read. But this one absolutely got in my grow. Jack Goldsmith, Harvard Law School professor. Remember that Harvard Law School professor and Andrew Kane Woods, professor of law at the University of Arizona College of Law. Uh, had a headline talking about the uh, internet censorship in the age of coronavirus. Now, I think there's a pretty obvious take that's out there on what happens when you censor the internet in times of coronavirus. You have the Chinese government completely uh, suppressing information that other countries desperately needed. But here was the uh, subheading. In the debate over freedom versus control of the global network, China was largely correct and the US was wrong. (laughs) Great. Par- uh, so here's a paragraph. Sorry, that, it, that it's a quote from this paragraph. They go on to say, significant monitoring and speech control are inevitable components of a mature and flourishing internet, and governments must play a large role in these practices to ensure that the internet is compatible with the society's norms and values. I suppose that works if your society's norms and values are never questioned the government at any point. 
Yeah. But uh, for literally any society that exists on Earth, that's a pretty bad one to be following. So is he saying the Chinese government was right to censor the internet? It's just there's too much misinformation out there, Pete. Too much. Yeah. You need to get him ahead of it. There you go. So who is this guy again? Sorry, Jack Goldsmith, Harvard Law School professor, and then Andrew Keenwood's professor of law at the University of Arizona College of Law. I mean, we talked earlier in the show about the, do we need to stack universities? That's the kind of thing where I just go like, oh, these guys could go. But uh, (laughs) that was was a hate read. That was my dislike for the week. All right, uh, shall we head over to the quiz? Yep. All right, so we got Mir Schlicht on the quiz, reigning champion from last week, and we also have Boston Edwards, University of Wollongong campus coordinator and star of viral banter. So if you have been on Generation Liberty's Instagram, YouTube, or Facebook, you would have been seeing the viral banter. We've had three episodes out now. Really great discussions of all of our campus coordinators talking about the issues that matter. I think this week's was a panel of women talking about women, women and liberty. That's right. Was it was a really, really good discussion. It was awesome. Check it out. It's on, yeah. yeah, as you just said, all the places yeah. that you just said. Uh, sweet. And Boston is always just a show favorite. So let, without further ado, let's go to that quiz. Okay, we got another round of the Young IPA quiz. Worked well last week. I'll say better than I thought it would. So we're back and uh, we're better than ever. So we've got returning champion Mia. Welcome back to the, the quiz. Thank you. Ooh. All right, sorry, the Brew Birds have started already. I don't think that's good sportsmanship from Peter, but we're going to sell. Sorry for booing you, Mia. I was just uh, a bit of that one last week. Yeah, Mia, how has victory changed you? Um, well, I actually do want to have it on record that Adam was a lot more upset than I expected him to be. The fact that I went one at dinner time, I was like, "Mom, Dad, guess what I won?" And he was actually genuinely was in a bad mood. And <laughs> left. <laughs> 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 And now he's getting slagged out to the nation. This is fantastic. Yeah. So, what is so you forever? Yeah, you called him out last week for uh, not hanging out with the family. I think that's going to be even less appearances Ooh. now that he's got the shame of a defeat hanging over his head. <laughs> All right. Well, and then uh, we also have Boston Edwards, campus coordinator with Generation Liberty. Boston, welcome back to the show. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me again. You forgot uh, he's, now, the, he's the Prince of Wollongong. That's his official title. That's his other official title. Oh, Prince of Wollongong. Oh, yeah. I love that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no one asked for my vote, my but I will give it now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, Boston, uh, we had you on the show a few days ago, and we were uh, a few weeks ago, sorry, and we were all talking about things we're doing to pass the time in a lockdown. Uh, you put up on Facebook yesterday. You got a pretty interesting one. You want to tell us about that? Uh, yeah. So, my so I'm Aboriginal. Yeah, for those people who don't know, and so. We, how do I explain it? The local language um, education place up in where on my country, they started to do a Zoom and they wanted to teach Gabenga, which is my, both my ancestral, my, my mob and my language. And so, yeah, I started learning and it's very interesting. So I, do you want me to say so a couple of words? I think you Absolutely. should do the whole quiz in that language. Oh, no, I can't. I only know a couple of words. No, no, yeah. So we'd love to hear a couple of sentences, Boston, if you've... uh, I don't know know sentences. I know some words. (laughs) There's a difference. So there's Ginnagay. Ginnagay. So that's... Ginnagay. Hey. Hi. Ginnagay. Ginnagay. I like it. Um, Gagu, which is brother. Jinda, sister. Um, Gara, uncle. Um, oh, I can't read that because it's a double R and I make, we make a weird noise. 
not weird, but like I can't make the noise. Um, Bara, Bara, which is baby. And then I also know a couple of other words like Wawul, someone. Wawayan, who's there? Who's that? Yeah. Great All stuff, right, all right, sorry, we're laughing and we're learning here on the Young IBA quiz. So, gonna go to all of our listeners, and we're gonna go into the quiz. So, if it is gonna gay, my bad. Gonna gay, gonna gay. Now, sorry, we got the nine questions. We got a who am I at the end? One point on for correct answers. One point off for incorrect answers. Now, question one: No cheating or peaking. What is today's date? Boston. Boston. It's the thirtieth of April. That is correct. So one point. Oh, one point for one. Boston. The year so, flex as well, just in case you've been... Do I get an extra lockdown. point? No extra point oh. for the year, though <laughs> lockdown does seem that it has lasted for a while. Tomorrow's uh, uh, Labor Day, May Day. Oh, there we go. All right, pizza communist, that confirmed. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, question number two. Sorry. Question number two. According to new IPA research, the number of regulations enabled by the Environment Protection and Biodiversity Conservation oh. Act increased since 2000 by what percentage? Ooh, Big can, report. Got a lot of coverage. Can we do the closest to? Closest to the mark. I'm going to do that. Good thinking, Boston. Good thinking. So, percentage change in how many environmental regulations? That's what you're. Since 2000. Me. Federal only. That's correct, isn't it? Federal only. The Environment Protection and Biodiversity Conservation Act. Please stop trying to flex on the quiz and just answer the question. What I'm trying to do is get in my head how to start thinking about the answer to this question. So, James, my answer is 83%. 83? Mm. Interesting. Anyone else? I'm going to go higher. I'm going to say 110%. I reckon it's been more than doubled. Interesting. Be a complete snake and say 82%. Oh, my God. This is how she stays on top. Uh, No, well, much like the Bible, it did not pay off to be a snake because the answer is 445%. So, Boston, you are closest. All of you have a lot more faith in the Australian regulatory system than you should because that thing has exploded in the last 20 years. 110% was a lot of... Uh, yeah, well, 445 is the correct number. Oh, my God. That's too yeah. much. That's surely yeah. too good, much. Good point, boss, and I'm glad you're on our <laughs> side on this one. So, question three. All right, so this week saw the 250th anniversary of what important date in Australian history? Um, Boston. Boston. Was it James Cook landing at Botany Bay? It was indeed. Well done, Boston. There you go, uh, Boston. Now, I want to check in with Mia. Now, Mia, you have the strategy of laying low until uh, the end. How do you think that's paying off for you early on in the quiz? Right now, it's not going very well. But (laughs) still, it's all about the who am I? It's all about the who am I? Mia, I'm in it to win it. I'm very competitive. (laughs) I'm very impressed. Your research has paid off well. It's not research. (laughs) I research at all. So, uh, so for people that are only listening to this quiz, when Boston said that, all life and joy went out of his eyes. That was the face of fierce determination right there. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, question four. What was the name of James Cook's ship? Roof Roof. Boston. Oh. Roof Roof got there first. Uh, the Endeavour. The Endeavour is correct. Sorry, I just can't really see whether or not I'm recording and I, it's got in my head, but I'm definitely <laughs> recording. So, that's one point for Roof Roof. This will be interesting uh, now, if it's not recording. West, it is definitely recording. I hope. Uh, question five. From which country was the first European to see Australia? Austin. Mia. Oh. Mia got there first. Germany. Incorrect, Mia. Sorry, negative one. <laughs> She's gone away from her strategy. It is not paying off. Adam will Boston, be happy. Boston, you are next. 
I was going to say the Netherlands. And you would be correct. Boston, this is oh. this is a destruction. This is, I'm calling it right now, this is one of the biggest whitewashes in <laughs> quiz history. He's only two points ahead of you. He's three points ahead of you. Boston's <laughs> on four, you're on one, Mir's on negative one. Sorry, Mir. <laughs> now, uh, okay, so that was a bit of Australian history for the people out there. So, over to news and politics. What footage did the Pentagon release this week? Roof, roof. Roof, roof. Well, I mean... It, I guess it depends what you take out of this, but UFOs and aliens. I'll take, yeah, I'll take UFOs and aliens. Which I assume, we haven't, this is being recorded on a Wednesday, but I assume we're going to be talking about that on the Friday show. Because I want to talk about it for about it's half a an hour. Thing. It's Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> he deserves a point off saying that. Is uh, it Thursday? Yeah, it is Thursday. Very good. Yeah. Uh, sorry, that was a you want to talk about this later in the show kind of thing? Because I've got I some think, asides. I assume, we've, I assume we've already talked about it for half an hour. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I will take the note. <laughs> uh, all right, so we'll move on now. Uh, last week I got in trouble because I named rugby incorrectly or league incorrectly, and mm. I meant to write down the correct way to do it, but then I forgot, and uh, we're <laughs> going to move on. So uh, name one of the league slash rugby slash union slash uh, the ball sport where you throw it backwards and run into a guy that tackles you. What, name one of the stars fined for breaching coronavirus restrictions this week. Boston. Boston. Latrell, Mitchell's not Mitchell Latrell. Oh, no, That's one name? of them. One of them. That is one of them. Yes. They weren't fired though, were they? Weren't they just fined? That's what no, I said, fined. Yeah. Oh, yeah, fair enough. No, oh, so because I did this story on, um, as this is part of Pete's Not Fine on Tuesday. Yeah, well, Boston I, was very quick off the mark on that one. Latrell is right, one of them, uh, but I can't remember the full name. Yeah, I can't remember the full name either. I don't watch. No, Latrell Mitchell, usually. you got it. It was Latrell Mitchell, Josh Adokar, and Nathan Cleary. All right, sweet. So, two more questions, then we're going to get into the who am I. Uh, which political figure endorsed Joe Biden this week? Mia. Boston. Mia. Mia got there. Clinton. Hillary Clinton is correct. Mia's on the board. Did she? Uh, did you guys see the... Yeah. <laughs> she 100... Like, Joe Biden 100% fell asleep. Like, I don't know if you guys saw that 10 <laughs> seconds where he just starts looking down and he just sort of nods off. Like, he 100% fell asleep. Yeah. We've all been there. <laughs> yeah. In fairness to him, I also fell asleep watching it. All right. Uh, now, last question before the Who Am I? What is the number one trending show or movie in Netflix today? Well, you know, I've been working hard today, James, so I haven't been on Netflix. Uh, it's been that way for a while. Boston. Uh, so, Boston. Tiger King. Tiger King is incorrect. Damn it. One point off for Boston. Roof, roof. Anyone want to guess? Roof, roof. Uh, the one about Michael Jordan. You know I'll the pay it. It's name? the last. Da- no, no. I'll pay that last dance. All right. So, who am I? Still, anyone can win. So, I mean, me. I'm, I really need you to get it on the five pointer. But uh, it is Boston's on four. Pete's on three. Mia's on zero. So, who am I? For five points. Everyone ready? Mia yeah. got the who am I last week, astoundingly early. So she's a big chance here. Yeah. All right. So for five points, for Mia to win from out of nowhere. I died 501 years ago this Saturday. Here it is. Here it comes. Here it comes. Death or glory. Wait, I need to check that actually. Yeah, no, it is. 501 years ago. (laughs) Sometimes math's not my strong suit. Use a calculator. Yeah, okay. Well, I don't know who it is. Do you know who it is, Boston or Mayor? Bang. Okay, for four points, I'm Italian. 500 years ago? Yep. Italian? Yep. Mia, this is your last chance to equalise and go to a penalty shootout. No, I think I'm going to leave with my dignity on zero 
<laughs> he could take a few lessons. Does anyone, be, so no one wants to make a guess. Don't be undignified, but like Adam at the dinner table last week. No, I have got a guess, James. You do have a guess. Interesting. Galileo. No, incorrect. One point Whoa. off for Peter Gregory. Damn it. Uh, so for three points, when my family moved to Florence in the mid 1460s, I began painting. Roof, 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 roof again. Leonardo da Vinci. That is correct. Pete wins the quiz. Uh, he's picked him at the post. Uh, well done, Peter Gregory. Thanks. Shame. Did you know that, Boston? No, oh, I was you... going to say Machiavelli, but ah, uh, yeah. There's I think you're oh, yeah. a different time. A lot of famous Italians from just generally, I guess. Yeah. Yep. And on that. <laughs> Uh, educative note from Peter Gregory that there are indeed famous Italians I'm wrapping up the quiz and we've got more show for you coming up after this but stick around at the end of the show because we'll do the draft alright that was the quiz did you win? I forget yeah you won of course I won yeah Yeah, alright yeah so congratulations Peter well done who was the who am I? oh Leonardo da Vinci no you lost Boston won no I won you won won. Leonardo da Vinci (laughs) do you think I I would just lie? Yeah, I think you're a man of, uh, what is it, low moral compass. Yeah. Disjointed, if you will. Uh, well, I can't argue right. with that. Let's go uh, to some things that made us laugh, and then we'll hit you guys with the draft. Let's start with just, I love this segment so much. Pete's Not Fine Global Edition. Yeah, Pete's Not Fine Globally. So Pete's Not Fine is where we talk about all the silly finds happening in Australia on a Tuesday. On a Friday, we take it worldwide. And we look forward to a day when we don't have to do this and coronavirus is over. But Are these finds or just ways people are fighting coronavirus? Just funny stuff about coronavirus, I think, is there probably we go. what I we're think, calling I think, it. I think Global Edition on Pete's Not Fine, maybe we need a bit more uh, work on the name. But uh, yeah. I've just realized, I look down this, I'm like, there's no finds here. Anyway. Yeah. So just hit me, up, hit me up with a new name. Peter.j.gregory.7 on Insta. Okay, so a group of German doctors have have protested about their lack of masks, James. Now, this yep. is a theme that we talk about a lot in this show. Talked about a little, uh, to protest their lack of masks, they've posed naked. Now, the Germans are big on nakedness, I'm not going to lie. When I went to uh, Munich for a Bucks, we went on a little uh, boat cruise down a river nearby Munich. This is this story is fine for the podcast, by the way. I'm, Don't, I can see I'm the worried so, expression. I'm, st- I'm stunned. <laughs> I'm and stunned. This is where you're taking this segment so early on. There was heaps of middle-aged blokes in the nude, <laughs> just because they've got they've got this big nudist thing in Germany. Yeah. Um, anyway, bit of culture for you. So their protest is called Blank. We're all Bendicum. so much richer for that <laughs> side. They were never. They were always like old. Don't fat don't. Blokes. I don't. I don't. No one needs. Like no one needs anyway, this. No one needs this. They're calling their protest Blanc Bedenken, which is translates to naked qualms. I probably pronounced it incorrectly. Members of the group felt, uh, said they felt at risk from coronavirus, and claims their calls for extra masks have gone uh, unheeded. Uh, Ruben Bernhau, who's a GP, said that the nudity is a symbol of how vulnerable we are without protection. So I'm giving you a three-week ban from nudity on the show. We've got a segment called the Extinction Rebellion Fake Nudity. Yeah, I know. I'm giving you a three-week ban from any nudity on this show. You abuse the privilege. I don't want to judge the healthcare workers in Germany who are protesting not having masks, but there was a bit of fake nudity run about this. I didn't see much actual nudity. Just going to say. Now, number two. Authorities have launched uh, an investigation. Oh, they haven't launched an investigation. This is what happens when you sort of put two articles together. They've sacked a bloke in uh, Vallejo... Uh, Vallejo, from the Vallejo Planning Commission in California. His name is Chris, Chris Platzer. 
He was in a Zoom video conference on the 20th of April when he said, uh, his cat came into the room and started meowing and um, disrupted the meeting. He said, first, I'd just like to introduce my cat. And he held his cat up and then we'll roll the tape to show you what happens next. Okay, first I'd like to introduce my cat. So, do you reckon that's worth getting sacked for? I mean, a cat's going to land on its feet. Have you seen the uh, tape? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've got a strict do not throw animals policy uh, that I think has guided me well over the years. So, you know, not 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 the one I'd go to. Like, this is not the hill I'll die on to defend this guy's job. <laughs> Apparently, also in the meeting, he was drinking alcohol and swearing, uh, according to the Vallejo Times. Well, that's Herald. the thing. They're saying he, they fired him for the cat, but uh, after the meeting ends and everyone else has left the call, he can be heard saying, I'm going to call bull ass on you little... Can I say this? Uh, I don't know what you're going to say, so right. who knows? Uh, I'm going to call bull ass on you little B words. I'll put it that way. Okay. Uh, I just reckon the bull ass that he threatened to call out might have been a bit too hot for everyone else. Potentially. And like he seems like a kind, the kind of character that might have had a bit of a track record of doing crazy stuff. Yeah. I just uh, my last question, to- my last Sorry, question you to you, Pete. Uh, do we give this guy a pass because the meeting was on April 20? Uh, that is a question for the listeners to consider for themselves, yeah. potentially. I think potentially. that I my view is that cats are famous for landing on their feet. Like, they're famous for it, you know? It'd be different if it was a... I can't even think. Like a, like a dog. dog. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. One an more. elephant. Yeah, an elephant would be different. Okay, one more. Hillary Burton. Hillary Burton is, a, is One Tree Hill star. Uh, one Tree Hill is a sitcom... I don't think he's on anymore, but she's a star from this. Definitely not. Which was, which is pretty popular. Like twenty years ago, was really yeah. popular. My sister used to have a One Tree Hill poster. There we uh, go. Fun fact. Now she's unable to visit the salon during the pandemic. She's thirty-seven years old, and she posted what was described as an inspiring message, which I question on Instagram about keeping perspective during these testing times. She said, the silver lining is literally growing out of my skull for all of our frontline and essential workers who are too busy to fuss with things like hair color. I grow mine out with solidarity, in solidarity with you. Hillary, I reckon just give them some money. You know, I mean, they don't care. It's not, it doesn't help. Just give them some money. I reckon it's good press for her because I had no idea who this person was before now. It's the Juicy Smollier path to fame. Uh, if you get enough negative attention, at least people now know who you are. That's true. I mean, I, I didn't know who she was either. Yeah. So maybe the, we're the idiots. Yeah, we're, it's, we're mean, the it's fools. A, it's a, it's a controversial idea. Yeah. <laughs> All, right, All right, that's uh, it, mate. There we go. Uh, peace not fine, no fine standard out, global edition. <laughs> Interesting one. <laughs> Guy lost his job, so maybe that's a fine in itself. Uh, all right, so we should probably talk about this one. This is like an indicator of how dominated the news cycle is by coronavirus in that the yeah. Pentagon basically released alien footage and it was just a passing fad on the internet for like four hours. Any other time. Like if this got released in November or December, this is all we'd be talking about for three weeks. Oh, yeah, exactly right. So here's the story. So the Pentagon on Monday released three declassified videos that showed US Navy pilots encountering what appear to be unidentified flying objects. Now, if you're into aliens, you would have seen these videos over the last couple of days. I know one of the... I'm pretty sure it's the same video as the one that a guy was on Joe Rogan recently talking about his experiences. He was like one of the pilots. The Pentagon said it released... Yeah, that's the one. Uh, the Pentagon said it released the footage to clean, clear up any misconceptions by the public on whether or not the footage that has been circulating was real or whether or not there is more to the videos. So uh, I think the discussion is, are these real and do aliens exist? So, Pete, we'll get your thoughts on both. 
Well, I'm not sure, James. So what I did was I, 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 um, I did some research and I asked the IPA's resident alien expert, who will remain nameless, but it could be only one it, of two people, and I think you should name them so the other person knows that you don't consider them an alien expert. He's a he's a budding trance DJ. Okay, so Steve is going to be very annoyed with you. <laughs> Steve is going to be very annoyed with me. Now, he said the likely scenarios in order, in my opinion, are advanced human defense weapons we aren't already aware of, aliens visiting from our galaxy, humans time traveling from the future to study human history. This is this is one of our superiors. Uh, aliens, one of our many and It's superiors. been a busy week as well. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> it's a lot of going into this one. It's like heaps more. Aliens visiting from another galaxy, aliens visiting from another universe. And then he chucked in another theory, which is not related to the aliens. He just chucked it in. He said, they also reckon our entire universe could be, could just be a black hole in another universe with an extra dimension. So the Big Bang was an exploding star in another universe. Bit of theory for free. Yeah, I'm with that last one. That's kind of what I think happened. <laughs> okay. But I my, my, my thoughts on all this are extremely cynical and people get sad when I say them. But, Pete, your opinion... Where yeah. are you? Uh, time traveling aliens. Time traveling aliens. Uh, uh, I think the release of these videos are a false flag to distract us from something that's really happening. Like if the Pentagon's giving us these videos, it's because they have something that's even worse, and they're just like you know little chicken crumbs that we get to feed on for a while and think the Pentagon's on our side when they are not and they are hiding something deeper. Nah, because they've got the pandemic to d- distract us. That's what's distracting us. They're uh, think- using the pandemic to hide this. Hmm. Oh, there we go. That's the that's that's not bad. I like that. I, I like that a lot. Work. I like that yeah, a lot. Yeah, because they've had this footage for like ten years, fifteen years in some cases, and uh, they've just released it now for some reason. All right, with aliens, I'm stealing this rant from someone else, but like, think about it from what would they gain from it? So, if it is time traveling aliens, what exactly are they gaining from coming to a society that's not as advanced as them? Like, why would they bother? Like, I'm know, interested. They- it's like when you see like ants on the road and they're all like hundreds in a line and you look at them and you go like, oh, that's cool. But I don't want to get into an ant uh, like cave. I don't want to go talk to the queen ant about what happened. I just want to go like, oh, that's cool. And then I'll just keep on with my day. And I think aliens are the same way. But people are like, go to the zoo and they look at animals that are stupider than us. Like, I think they might just want to see what's here. Yeah, you I don't, don't get in the lion cage unless you're Carol Baskin's husband. Amazing yeah. reference by me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah. Now, Pete, controversially, my laptop seems to have turned off, so you're going to have to tell me what the last part is, and I'm going to have to try and remember what it was. The Amash. Amash. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Oh, critical low battery. I thought it was on 60. So, oh, well. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Justin Amash uh, announced that he is going for the Libertarian Party candidate in the upcoming US presidential election. Uh, a lot of people I follow on Twitter are all up and about it. I don't know a whole lot about them, but I do know anytime I hear that someone is running for the Libertarian Party, it reminds me of this clip taken from the 2016 primaries for the Libertarian Party. Should someone have to have a government-issued license to drive a car? Hell no! What's next? Requiring a license to make toast in your own damn toaster? The license to drive? You know, I'd like to see some competency exhibited by people before they drive. We don't have a snowball's chance in hell of ever making some serious political inroads when these people are the guys that are running for primaries. That's the thing. Why we like this. My question for you is, where are you on driving licenses, James? Uh, you should absolutely show some competency before you're given the ve- keys to a vehicle capable of killing someone. What a Stalinist. You are just a shill <laughs> for the government. <laughs> Disgusting. 
All right, fair enough. Uh, no, I'm kidding, okay. mate. I'm, with, I'm pro driving licenses as well, obviously. <laughs> Well, interesting. Uh, all right. Uh, so last thing we, before we get into the draft, I think we're doing the uh, reading, watching, listening segment now. So, Pete, hit us with it. How is Barefoot Investor? Well, the thing is, I'm getting towards the end of it. And what I realized was there's a couple... It's the two, I've got the 2017 edition. And there's yeah. a couple of suggestions around things, products you should uh, get. And he says he's fiercely independent, so he doesn't get paid for it. I'm sort of paranoid that because it's two years old, the recommended products might have changed. So I just ordered the 2019 edition, which just arrived. That was that knock on the door before, which the list oh, is here. But so I'm just going to skim through it and make sure I'm not stuffing up. Yeah, that was yeah, always rich. my worry I'm with the Barefoot Investor. It's the question. Yeah, uh, that was always my worry with the Barefoot Investor. It'd be interesting if like if in the 2017 edition, he's like, you need to invest in the stock market in January 2020. Mm. <laughs> just like, interesting yeah that's the thing so I mean I don't know what he's got a website and stuff where you can see what he says about the coronavirus but I think yeah my mum sends know. me his article like every week and says now's the time you need to get into this and it still just doesn't happen sorry mum uh, just leave it watching, that won't matter I've been watching Middle Ditch and Schwartz on Netflix uh, long form improvised comedy specials by two of the best in the business makes me miss improv it's been about six months since I've done improv I miss it terribly whenever I watch this it's really good check it out you should get back into it. I should. Okay, Pete. Now, before we get into the draft, we need to uh, plug the Ruben promo stuff that we ran in Tuesday's show. I had the best whole spiel written out word for word. It was perfect. Now, my laptop, as discussed, is out of battery, which is uh, frustrating. So, Pete, do you have the promo code? Because otherwise, I'm going to have to... Well, I'm going to have to improvise it. So, I'll be back right into improv. Well, at least one of us is a professional. Yes, I do have the promo. So get a copy of Dave Rubin's new book with his signed nameplate inside along with an annual IPA membership using the promo code that we mentioned in the interview and that episode. So you can't get it without listening to that episode. It's on the IPA website. It's on YouTube. It's on all the platforms that we do this on. Sign up now. It's a great yeah, book. And also, it's like a good show anyway. So listen to it, please. <laughs> like It, it yeah. was really, really good interview. Um, it was great. Yeah, cool. So that is it for the show this week. Now, if you do want to stick around and listen to us with Mia and Boston draft romantic comedies, really fun discussion. A lot of good movies out there. We'll get people to vote on which movies are the best. Uh, Stick around for that. If not, uh, thanks so much for listening. See you guys next week. Have a great weekend. Bye. Okay, so for the last part of today's show, we're going to be doing one of the drafts. We did one last week with Bushnell and Pete picked a horse as one of his preferred athletes. Uh, yep. Still very controversial, picking Philap to be one of the greatest athletes of all time. But uh, we're going to learn from that mistake, I reckon, Pete, and we're going to come back stronger. So this week's draft is going to be uh, romantic mo- uh, rom- rom-coms, like romantic comedy movies. Uh, once someone takes a movie, uh, no one else can take it. Whoever gets the best list at the end, as decided by Instagram followers, wins. I don't know who won the last one, but I certainly won the first one, so I'm the winner. I'm winning a question. Open a question. And I'd also like to point out with my far left choice that Mia supported that. So Mia is the voice of the people in this country. That means that presumably millions of people supported picking far left. So thank you, Mia. And thank you, far left. <laughs> no worries. No, I, I actually really supported the far left choice. I mean, if you're playing any sport, if there is a horse running at you, I feel like regardless, you're going like, to freak out and you're not gonna, your head's not going to be in the game. I thought it was a smart choice. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. In fact, I don't think okay. I did. <laughs> we should right, point sorry. out that Boston... Sorry, James. We should point out that Boston did the Gen Lib list of five yes. on yep. rom-coms. So talk us through that, Boston. Not the choices, but just what that was and... 
yeah, what that was. Well, generally, is um, bring forth numerous lists of like movies to binge and that for self isolation and isolation and stuff like that. So I chose rom coms because yeah. I I love romantic comedies. They make you laugh. They make you, they make me cry all the time. Happy tears. <laughs> I think they're just it's a movie for all. And it okay. covers a lot of things like drama and stuff as well. So that's why I chose rom-coms. Excellent Nothing. stuff. Well, that's why we chose to do the rom-com draft today. And uh, I actually, that's what I was meaning to say. So I love rom-coms as well. This and I actually used to have an institution with me and my mates, particularly in our mid-20s when we were all single and we were giving Uh-oh. it a bit of a nudge on the weekends. No, it's, it's not an oh story. <laughs> I'm worried about this. Giving it a bit of a nudge on the weekends. And by the time we got to Sunday night, we'd be a bit depressed because we had to go back to work and we were a bit worse for wear after all our um, exuberance. I like working at the IPA, Peter. Of the weekend. This is before the IPA. And I. so what we do is on Sunday night, we had this institution called Romcom Sunday where we would punch a few frothies and watch rom-coms to make oh, us feel Oh, Peter, better. you big softy. That's right, Boston. <laughs> so I know a lot about... I know that we make, make a lot of fun of the fact that I don't watch movies on this show, but I do have watched a lot of rom-coms. Very excited. I want to ask you more questions about the rom-com with the boys group, but I think that might give away some of your picks in the draft. So I'm going to hold off until the end. But yep. uh, all right. So draft order is going to be set by how people finished in the quiz. So Pete's got first pick, then Boston, then Mia, then over to me. And then I get pick five and then, you know, it goes in reverse until we've all got three movies. And then we decide who wins through Instagram poll. Everyone's okay with this? Yeah. Everyone knows what's I'm happening. Cool. Very okay. All right. So, Peter Gregory. Let's talk about love. The number one overall pick. Peter Gregory, hit, hit us. The greatest rom-com of all time is Love Actually. And it's my first choice. Uh, <laughs> I can see Boston shaking his head. Look, it's got everything. The thing about a rom-com that's really important, obviously, is the romance. But it's got to be funny and it's got to have a good soundtrack. Uh, love Actually has both of that. Uh, both of those things. It explores love in different ways. It's got Hugh Grant, which is always a winner. Uh, and it's got iconic moments so it's got you know the thing about the prime minister dancing the press conference where he bags the american uh president what's the other one there's the one oh the bloke you know we, we talked about this on the show james the bloke holding the signs outside his best friend's okay that's house. fair that that they're that all iconic romantic. moments and it's a good is soundtrack it? you know all you need is love what's that sorry i don't know signs outside the door psychopath move well, it's I know that that's your view on that, but it is an iconic movie moment. It's an iconic movie moment, but it's a psychopath move. Boston, your thoughts? Oh, I, I just never really liked Love Actually. I don't know why. I'm just in that anti-Love Actually hand. I just it's, find it like a long movie. I don't know. I don't know. It is divisive, I, I, Love Actually. I just don't like it that much. Like, there's nothing I can say otherwise, <laughs> and there's no reasons behind it. I just don't really like it that much. I'm sorry. What about you, Maya? Do you, do you where do you sit on this? Um, and what I, do you, where do you sit on that scene as well? I agree with Boston. I think it's really overrated. And also, yeah. there are so many things wrong with what they do in the movie. Like the scene where he's like, you know, it's so romantic. She, he goes to her door and like has like all the signs or whatever. He's like snaking his best friend. And yeah. Like, oh, yep. so Breach. Breach. Like, it's romantic for two. Down the drain. <laughs> and at the end, he's like, oh, like I know you'll never love me. Like he doesn't even go for it. Like there's no point to him doing that other than him just being mean to his friend. I just want to know what his game plan was if he answered the door. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, how do you explain everything? <laughs> like, what, the what, signs, what are signs? Yeah. Why are you here on Christmas Eve? 
Because the guy might be like, oh, let's have a beer and watch the footy or something. But what's yeah. that in your head? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, greatest all right, uh, all time. So, uh, Peter Gregory, a very uh, divisive pick for love, actually. I don't think... I didn't have it on my board, to be honest. Sorry, Boston, your pick. I feel like this is still divisive, too. Ten things I hate about you. Okay. I like it. I like it. Strong pick. Do you? Talk about it. Talk about it. Uh, my favorite, one of my favorite scenes of all time, is when Heath Ledger sings to Cat in the stadium, and he um, prances around. Da, 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 I love you, baby. Yeah, I, I just think that's so bad, and it's like it's not as funny as Love Actually. I'll admit it, but it's, it's- it catches it catches a typical teenage romance, mm-hmm. and like it and- catches the bad boy and like. Bad girl, and it's based on Shakespeare's Tame of the Shoe, so it's got to be fun for everyone. I, I got to say, her reading out the list of the ten things at the end in the movie, iconic movie moment. Bit iconic of a tearjerker that moment. Yes, I cry really every time I watch All right. it. Pete, have you seen that one? This is going to be a revol- revolving thread. Have seen that one. Heath Ledger was great in it. One of the great movie lines of all time when this guy goes, "What is it with this girl? Does she have beer flavored nipples?" Hilarious. Use that one. <laughs> use that one all the time. I don't know if that's appropriate for the podcast, but we'll see. Oh, it's definitely been said. All right, Mia, you've got next pick. Okay, well, my first pick was going to be 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, controversial. <laughs> um, so I'll go with Crazy Stupid Love. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. I think it's just got the best cast ever, Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone, Steve Carell. It has the best, I'm going to say the best makeover scene in like all movie history. The best makeover scene ever. It's a feel-good movie, and I like how there's a lots of like different love stories within the movie. Twist ending that like you never see coming. Just a great movie. Love it. There All right, uh, no, that very good pick. Does anyone have any big thoughts on Crazy Stupid Love? I know my mum, one of her favorite films of all time. I don't think Shout I've out to watched that one. I might have seen it. Might have I haven't seen one. it either. Maybe after a particularly heavy rom-com Sunday, because we were drinking while we did it. So maybe there's a few I can't remember, but maybe that's one of them. But Best yeah. makeover scene. Best one. What's that? What's the makeover scene? Well, oh, I guess I can... So basically, Ryan Gosling gives Steve Carell a makeover because Steve's it's like, you know, this daggy dad. So he makes him into like, you know, this cool guy that like goes to bars, all that kind of stuff. And like, it's Ryan Gosling. So it's just like, great. Iconic <laughs> gif as well. Iconic gif. Of Gosling looking looking down and looking back up again when he's yeah. unimpressed with Steve Carell's choices. Very that oh, gif has been used a lot. All right, I have I got seen two, that movie now that I think about it. Okay, I got two in a row here, and I cannot believe uh, the two greatest films of all time have fallen this far to me. First pick, uh, Princess Bride. This is the perfect oh. film. Perfect film. It's got everything you'd ever want: action, romance, comedy. Andre the Giant rides a horse for some reason. Uh, if you haven't seen this yet, I'm genuinely jealous of you because uh, I would love to watch it for the first time. Uh, so Princess Bride, that's my first pick. I've just got a notification saying my phone, which I record off, is on 10% battery. Interesting subplot for the rest of this draft. Uh, it was at 80 when we started recording the draft, so I feel lied to. And then my second pick is going to be Annie Hall. So for people watching right now, I've got a gigantic artwork from Annie Hall just behind my head whenever I record the podcast, which we all got a peek of just there. Uh, that is probably my favorite film of all time. Uh, hilarious, mind-breaking, bends all the rules of film. Princess Bride, Annie Hall. So happy those two fell to me. What year are we talking about for Annie Hall? Uh, 1976, I want to say, okay. Woody Allen. Yeah. 
yeah. Any any I thoughts? I don't think I've even heard of the first one. Princess seen- Bride. Let me Google it. <clears throat> My gosh. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. It's, incre- it's a perfect movie. Yeah. I've been while I Google. But I've heard good things. I haven't watched in ages though, so I need to watch okay. it again. But every, like, when lockdown's over, us four, we're having a movie party. We're having one of these <laughs> Sunday nights. Yes. And we're watching Princess Bride. Yeah, I've never heard of that. I'll right. forego my um, uni class in Wollongong on the next day for, for Good. just that. Good. Right. Nothing's That's more important know. than seeing Princess Bride. <laughs> All right. Back over to Mia. Second pick. Um. Okay. My second pick is probably a bit left of centre. I don't think it's usually seen as like one of the classic rom-coms, but I think it's actually timeless because it has a timeless soundtrack and that's ABBA and that's Mamma Mia. Oh, don't. I love ABBA and I love Mamma Mia. <laughs> I'm the ultimate ABBA fan. I've got an ABBA poster. Look. <laughs> For those listening, Boston. There's a lot of artwork being shown off today's show. I like it. It's one of those ones, like, it's going to please everyone, all generations. Like, ABBA has stood the test of time. And that's why I think this movie will stand the test of time. I and love ABBA. Another incredible cast. And it's like one of those movies where you think, all right, the storyline, I will admit, is a bit flawed. A bit and <laughs> it is. It is. And could be solved very early on with, like, a paternity test. But anyway, <laughs> love it. It's just, you know great songs and it always put you in a good mood like just a great movie to be fair it doesn't have my any of my favorite abba songs in it what's your favorite my favorite is like i don't think that many people know it. it's it's songs like that's me um no. angel eyes from the second film that's one of my favorites um and just songs like that um bang a boomerang and all that okay i struck out i was over three on those ones uh Sorry. Yeah, no drawbacks from Pierce Brosnan singing, Mia? Um, well, he was awarded with Worst Supporting Actor, but... <laughs> <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> but I still think that's just because everyone else had impeccable acting. Acting step <laughs> up there was one of the best. And yeah, I just don't think this one can be flawed. Like, no one's ever going to go out and attack Mamma Mia as a film. No, and I bet not. Otherwise, Boston's like, thinking about it. it. <laughs> Again, Boston, all life went out of your eyes just there. All right, uh, Boston, <laughs> you've got the next pick. All right, I'm going to go back to a classic, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. This is a strong list. It's all a right. strong list. My Big Fat Greek Wedding, because it's got the most iconic line in it. What do you mean you don't eat no meat? <laughs> it's okay, I cook lamb. <laughs> and it's just <laughs> yeah. like, it's just such a simple romance. It doesn't... Like, it's very funny, and, like, there's still those genuine romantic moments, and it made me want to be Greek. And I, now I love Greek culture. Along with mummy, I want to go to Greece and have a Greek wedding. And <laughs> Made me want to be Greek is a great Made moment. me want to be Greek. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, any, anyone's got big thoughts on that one? I have I not. Solid- Sorry, you go, Maya. No, no, I was just saying it was a good choice. That was it. All right, yeah, fair enough. All right, Pete, you got two in a row. Some index on it. <laughs> <laughs> two in a row? Yeah, two picks in a row. Oh, we, how many picks are we doing? Uh, you've made one and we've all got three. Three, okay, good. Right, well, I've got the second best rom-com of all time, which I'm astounded that it's on the table, is Notting Hill. Uh, once again, Hugh Grant. I've got this theory that English, English rom-coms are better than American rom-coms every day of the week. Got Hugh Grant. It's got a great soundtrack. Got Julia Roberts. Uh... 
What else have I got here? It's pretty funny. Richard Curtis find... is going to be loving your draft strategy, by the way. I don't know who that is. That's and... a guy that wrote Love Actually and Notting Hill. The, well, he probably will be. He'll probably be the highlight of his career, being picked one and two by the Roof Seal on the uh, rom-com draft. That great soundtrack. Obviously, you know, I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking her to love him. Beautiful moment. Uh, my dad loves that moment, which is a bit weird. And um, that's all I got for Notting Hill, yeah. Number all right, fair enough. Secret. And my and third next draft pick after that? Yeah, now I'm also surprised this is on the table. This one's a bit out of left field, just like one of Mayer's choices. And that is The Castle. Now, the castle, people How think... Oh, I don't know about that. No, I, I don't know about completely. that. It's people think the castle no. A man's is, love of the Constitution? Is a, The Constitution's <laughs> very romantic, James. And it's just... People say, oh, you know, it's just a comedy. But Daryl Kerrigan is the Hugh Grant of Cool LaRue every day of the week. And the reason everything he does... Like, by the way, I wrote about the castle in the IPA review a few years ago about how it's a freedom-loving movie, and it is because this family is fighting crony capitalism yeah. uh, and the government. But it's also a romance because no. it's very funny. It's got a great soundtrack, and Daryl is doing everything he's doing because of love, because he loves his missus, whose name I can't remember, which is probably not good for this segment. But, uh, you know, what did you do with this love? Scooped it out of the punnet, Rissoles. He loves his family. He loves, you know, even the one that's in jail. Uh the castle is... All right, you want to know my theory, everyone? Australia's he ran out of rom-com. movies he's seen. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got a few, I've, got, I've got a few extra ones here. I do like the castle, though. All right, well, so, don't give it away in case someone else has got it. So, uh, very controversial pick with the castle. That is a far lap of this quiz. I like to push the boundaries. All right, uh, over to Boston, your last pick. I'm going to have to say Sleepless in Seattle, my all-time favourite. And the scene at the end... Controversial? Where, um, I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it? No. Oh, it's so romantic. When the girl meets up with the guy on top of the Empire State Building and... Oh, <laughs> no, I'm going to cry. <laughs> it's, it's so romantic and so funny. And and it's a little boy who tries to set them up for a radio show and it's got Rosie O'Donnell, who a lot of people may not like, but I actually find quite hilarious. And, yeah, it's just... It's got romance, it's got comedy, and it's just a timeless classic. And it makes me cry every time I watch it at the end. Boston, I wish I cared about Boy anything in my girl. life as much as you care about Sleepers in Seattle. <laughs> I, care, I care about Sleepers in Seattle moment. deeply. <laughs> and they've, like, they've dropped it off Netflix. Netflix doesn't have it anymore. That oh, may not be a... good for the draft either. <laughs> but, like, I can't find it, and I can't get my weekly fix of Sleepers in Seattle. Weekly I'm gonna fix? Cry. Wow, All right. Uh, now, we'll, we'll, we'll give Boston some time that he needs to uh, <laughs> pull himself together. So we might move it over to Mia with your last pick. Um, well, so I've gone with, I would say, two like fairly modern and recent picks. So I'm going to go back to a timeless classic, and I'm going to do When Harry Met Sally. Oh, oh okay. Oh, right. yeah. um, okay. Any like top 10 rom-coms, when Harry Met Sally is always in the top three and it's like that, you know, that whole idea of can a guy and a girl really be friends, you know, just purely platonic. And I just think it's just like, you know, that's the story behind you know, every friendship. Everyone's always got that in the back of their mind, like can mm. be friends. So I think everyone can relate to it. So it's got some realism to it, unlike all realism? the other movies we've mentioned. <laughs> Besides the castle. Mamma Mia is realistic. also quite realistic, sorry. No, it's not. That's not hey, realistic. Let he who has never found himself in a musical in a Greek island cast a first stone as to where <laughs> not mother and <laughs> Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, okay. This is this is very tough. I've got two films that I cannot split. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go... This one's a bit more modern. My last two were pretty classic. This one's a bit more modern. I think this is the greatest romantic comedy of the last 20 years. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Mm. Getting Sarah Marshall, mm. eh? No, didn't go down well with the crowd. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Come on. Jason Segel is hilarious. Uh, Russell Brand, the career-making movie, didn't do much with that career, but that was an absolute two to force of comedy. I'm going Forgetting oh, Sarah yeah. Marshall. I remember Russell Brand in that movie. I think we got that on a Sunday night. I think I don't I know if that I, I a part of my life will never be the same that I never got into one of these Sunday night sessions. Well, <laughs> we could do it again. But the thing about that movie is though, I think Russell Brand makes me sad in that movie. Does he? Is he a repre- are they reprehensible reprehensible characters? Uh kinda. You get sad by weird things. Like you can't watch <laughs> Peep Show two episodes in a row, which yeah. is incredible. It's too depressing. An incredible moment. And I love Paper Show. I think it's really funny, but it is depressing to watch a few episodes in a row. All right. So, anyway. oh, okay. So, we've done the draft. Did okay. anyone have big big movies that didn't get picked? I was going to say The Duff. You know, have you seen that, Mia? Or anyone? Yeah. The Duff? Yeah. You haven't seen yeah, that, it? Actually, that was another one where, like, you expected it to be awful. Like, the whole yeah. thing was just awful. But somehow they made it okay. Because I relate to the main character. I feel like the designated ugly fat friend. She wasn't even ugly or fat. <laughs> but, like... I, I was out the other night, like before this was all, like before we all had to go into lockdown and that, and this guy came up to me and he started talking. I was like, okay, yeah, cool. He used me so he could talk to all my friends. Oh, no. So he can get in with the, one of my friends. I was like, okay, great. But well, uh, that's, that's cruel, Boston. That's cruel, you know. It's cruel. It's cruel. But I just want to make one more comment, going back to Sleepless in Seattle. If anyone is in love with me, DM me and we'll meet at the top of Sydney Tower. Just like in Sleepless in Seattle. Not really, but like the Australian version. Every time Boston comes on the show, he encourages people to slide into each other's DMs. Well, I don't think people got the message from the last show. (laughs) (laughs) The ball is in your court, Australian public. The ball is in your court. Uh, No one picked Groundhog Day. That was surprising to me. Uh Absolute classic of uh, everyone's childhood, I assume. And uh, I'll go Big Sick. It's like one from the last few years. If anyone saw Big Sick, that was really, really good. And there's um, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days as well. Mm. Bit of Matthew McConaughey action. No Matthew McConaughey film is picked is damaging to his career. (laughs) He's he's done some pretty decent romantic comedies, though, that I love. I'm just saying, he's put out a whole lot and they didn't make the top 12. I just want to make an honourable mention to Matthew McConaughey for all his romantic comedies. Yes. Ralph destroyed his entire career. This moment. <laughs> <laughs> the McConaughey since is it's over. <laughs> you won't see him at any award shows anymore. No. All right. Uh, that is it for the show this week. Uh, thank you to Boston and Mia for thank the draft you. and the quiz. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. 